Hi, I'm Brady Breeze, safety for the Detroit Lions, and you're listening to The Only Playbook. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Only Playbook. We are so excited to have you guys here because, as you can see, we have a special guest with us. This is episode 57, where we are going to break down the top 10 running backs of fantasy football in 2022. And this episode specifically, I have deemed Tage Talk because we are joined by none other than former PFF research and development intern, Tage Seth. Tage, thank you so much for having, or coming on, man. It's an absolute treat, and uh, we certainly appreciate your time. Of course. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to talk uh, running backs with you guys today. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. The, the, the position that, you know, slowly people are just pushing further and further away when it comes to the actual NFL draft, but there's still tremendous value in top echelon running backs versus kind of the rest of the pack. And so hopefully you'll, you'll dive into a lot of that and, and blow our brains with some of the analytics, but uh, let's, let's start things off again. We appreciate you guys joining us. If you're, you know, supporting us throughout this, this past nine months that we've, you know, come about we're everywhere, all the platforms, YouTube, uh, Spotify, Apple, Google anchor, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. So appreciate all the support. The name of this game in this episode is going to be talking about the running backs. So we'll start things off with our top 10 running backs. The way I'm going to do this, guys, is uh, I had all of your lists ahead of time. So I basically created a consensus list. And um, if I had a guy that wasn't on somebody else's list, I basically gave them a number 11 to average things out as the 11th ranked player. So for the sake of averages, uh, we'll go 10 through one. Uh, feel free to j- uh, t- chime in on any uh, running back that you want to talk about or, you know, or, or shit on or trash or say they suck, whatever the case may be. So uh, without further ado, the top 10 running backs of the 2022 NFL fantasy football season, number 10 came in Leonard Fournette, the running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I actually had Leonard Fournette number eight on my list. Shashot, you did not have him ranked. Shovet, you had him nine. And Tage, I believe you also did not have him ranked. So he comes in here at number 10 for me. I'll kick things off really easy. I mean, for me, it's another year with Tom Brady. We continue to, at least I did, doubt Leonard Fournette. I was like, you know, he, he's kind of there. He, he, he does things, good things with what he's given, but it didn't seem like the workload was there from rushing. But then, you know, towards the end of last year, he started catching a ton of passes. And so I think that helped to really solidify his safe fantasy stature. I know they got Keyshawn Vaughn, I think, as their backup. And, and he's quick, he's shifty, but I don't know that he's really going to seep into too much of Leonard Fournette's production. And knowing that, you know, Gronk is not there, we don't know if he's going to come back. Uh, Evans is there, Obviously, Godwin's hurt, and then Gage is another new receiver they have. I think Tom Brady's going to have the tendency to go to people he's comfortable with. So uh, that dump off to Fournette was really, really big. Checking down has been a big part of Tom Brady's game. So that's why I had Leonard Fournette as number 10 uh, on the rankings, and that's where he came in on the consensus. What do you guys think there? Yeah, uh, I'll go next. Um, Yeah, I didn't rank Fournette, not because I don't like Fournette. Fournette is the classic bell cow. Uh, you know, he's getting passes, he's getting rushes, he's a goal line back, he's got Tom Brady as a quarterback to take care of the secondary. Um, there's no reason to not rank him, besides the fact that there are other players that I think have a higher ceiling than Fournette. Volume is the name of the game, so you, you can't go wrong with adding him on this top 10 because there's not, you know, there's a, there's a few players that stand out amongst everybody else just because of pure volume. Um, and Fournette is one of those guys. So I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a bad idea not having in the top 10. I just think certain players like um, DeAndre Swift, you know, look, players like maybe, uh, you know, a little bit lower than him that we never consider to be in the top 10. They're coming up and they're going to be up and coming 
for this next season. I think they have a much higher ceiling than Fournette because I think we may have seen the best of Fournette, although he's only 27 year old. Uh, he still has a lot of play time left and there's not much backups there. Uh, he's a great player. I just think he would be like a number 11 or number 12 for me. Yeah, I mean, I had Leonard Fournette just because of the dump-offs, really. Tom Brady, he's got weapons. He's got Evans, and, uh, you know, he can throw the ball. But I think the dump-offs in the game where, you know, catching is a lot of value to running backs uh, as far as fantasy football goes, I think that's going to get you a solid, consistent, you know, 11 to 12, maybe even more uh, points per game that you you, you got to be satisfied with at this at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the, the reason I was, I was a little bit hesitant with Fournette is because last year the Bucks offense passed a ton on, you know, early downs in the red zone. And that's partly because I think like Brady is trying to like build up his stats to show that like, oh, he can win an MVP or he can lead the league in passing yards at like age 45. So I, that's why I was worried with Fournette is like, you know, with, with Brady in Tampa, he's been about pushing the ball downfield, um, you know, having a, a very high average uh, depth of target and then like passing a lot within the five and 10 yard line to get those passing touchdown numbers up. So I didn't think Fournette was going to get as many like goal line carries as like other running backs that I had ahead of him. Yeah, no, that that's a really fair point. You're right. Brady's at the point in his career where I don't think he has anything left to prove in terms of winning. And I know he's built differently. So I, I know he obviously still cares about winning, but that's not going to come with the stat padding and the getting the extra touchdowns and things like that. Yeah. To continue to build that resume. So uh, I absolutely respect that. Um, respect that logic. It's just, again, when we're talking about fantasy, a lot of times we come into a situation where you're like, who's the backup, who's going to, who's he, who's he going to share any sort of time with. And right now, like, Again, Vaughn just seems like a very much change of pace guy that's not necessarily even in get like 10 carries or seven carries right now, right? So for that reason alone, when you're in an offense with a guy like Tom Brady, you're always going to have upside in my opinion. But you're right, if Brady's going to care more about the passing touchdowns, we just got to hope dump off Fournette's on the, on the opposing end of those. So um, that's why we had Leonard Fournette again. He fell at number 10. Uh, number nine Number nine was Joe Mixon. And this is a little bit surprising. He came in number nine on the consensus board. I had him... Um, I had him as exactly number nine. Shashot, you actually did not rank Joe Mixon. Shovet, you had him number 10. And Tage, I believe you had him as high as number seven. So I, the, the funniest thing is, Tage, I want to kick this one to you first. Your description was awesome on all your running backs, but I loved Mixon's the, the best. All it says is average running back with big volume. And like, there is not a better way to describe Joe Mixon in that situation. So Tage, tell us why you had Joe Mixon where he's at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty high on Joe Mixon this year because I think that Bengals offensive line is is pretty well upgraded based on all the moves they made this offseason. And you know, like a lot of the research that the analytics community has done is on how much the offensive line controls a running back's performance. So, you know, you could see Joe Mixon's like four yards of carry last year t- start to turn into 4.5 this year. And with like 350 carries or whatever he gets, like because of the lack of competition in the backfield, that like that's huge to get like an extra like 0.5 yards a carry. Um, and you know, like like he, yeah, he's just he's just gonna get a lot of volume behind a much improved offensive line. I think he had to like grind out a lot of yards last year that are gonna be much more well blocked this year. And you know, the, the Bengals like showed that. They like to rely on running the ball a lot on early downs uh, to kind of protect Burrow and just different stuff like that. So that's why I, I was so high on him in, in my rankings. 
Uh, yeah, I'm just not a Joe Mixon fan. He's let me down so many times in the past. There, you know, the thing about fantasy football is this is this is the part where the analytics versus the eye test comes into play, right? Um, there's certain players that if they irk you the wrong way through, at any point, you you fail to give him uh, another opportunity. And for me, Joe Mixon's a classic running back for that scenario. Uh, he gets, you know, early on, maybe three, four years ago, uh, he was drafted a lot higher than he was last year. He got drafted mid-second round last year. And that was a, the reason for that was because he let a lot of people down. And it's not because he gets injured or anything like that. It's because the production is just not there. With the volume he's getting, you're supposed to be getting number three, number four numbers, and you're not getting that. Um, but there are a lot of good things. Again, this is the top 10 list, right? This is the top 10 elite athletes that run the ball. So it's hard to, you know, fit everybody into this. I would put him at, he would be right there with uh, Fournette at 11 or 12 for me because of volume. He's also a great pass catcher. He ran around on 57% of offensive uh, dropbacks through six games. It started off pretty good. Um, and, he, you know, he was third in the league in total touches and sixth in touches per game. These are all volume numbers, right? So volume-wise, uh, like you said, Tage, um, he's an average running back. Uh, I would say slightly above average, slightly above average with a very, very high volume that improved his offense. So there's nothing to not like about him. It's just I feel like there are other players that could take me, that could give me number one potential, like like the Swifts, like the Chubs that some of you guys haven't ranked. Uh, I'm going with the, the huge upside rather than the consistency here, which is very unlikely, unlike me because I'm a big consistency guy. I like seeing the same shit every year because it's reliable. However, uh, certain players like Joe Mixon, I, I just don't trust. I don't trust him for whatever reason. There's sometimes that gut feeling takes a hold of you. And um, I have 10, 10 other players that I would rather have than have Joe Mixon. I think Shashot's just sick of winning the league. He's won it like four years in the 15 years of existence being consistent. So he's like, you know what? Got to change it up. Let's go for high upside guys this year because I need to keep things spicy. So uh, I, I don't know. I think for me, Joe Mixon is again, uh, exactly what you guys said. He's not flashy. He's not really exciting. It's interesting to me that he ran routes on that many percentages of third downs because kind of what I've read up on him and, and the way I'm transitioning and seeing what they're looking at for this season is that he's going to be the classic first down, second down guy. And then Samaj P. Ryan's going to be the guy that catches passes on third down. Now it's weird because Mixon can catch the ball and he can do it effectively. So I don't know why Samaj P. Ryan would even step in at all to do that. But it, it also, maybe it's just a situation of the lifespan of a running back, knowing that you're going to keep Mixon very, very fresh on first and second downs to maximize his rushes uh, as opposed to utilizing him on third down and getting hit when he's trying to catch the ball as well. So again, I think the upside's there. The offense is so prolific and dynamic that you have to imagine now with, you know, Higgins, you know, scratching top 10 lists for running or receivers. Now the production of Jamar Chase and T Higgins is going to force this defense to have to take steps back. Right. And, and I think with the upgraded offensive line, like you mentioned, Tage, and it's just going to get a little bit easier for Joe Mixon to run. And, and I think that's naturally, if they're going to feed him the ball 250 to 275 times, the production has to be there. It just makes sense numbers wise. Yeah, no, for me, it's the offense. The fact, the fact that the Bengals offense is a, um, is a force to be reckoned with. And, you know, hearing about the offensive line, that's even great news. I think Mixon is, he's an average yards per carry kind of guy, um, but getting, uh, you know, he gets the passes, he'll get the points. And as far as PPR goes, and uh, I, I think that, you know, 10th is a, is a good pick for him. I just love running backs that can catch the ball uh, at this day and age and guys like Chubb, I, you know, I, I like Mixon over Chubb just because I think the volume of, you know, pass catching is there higher is higher for uh, Mixon than it is for Chubb. Yeah. Again, it'll be interesting. I don't know. Again, 
these running backs are still so young. I mean, they're like younger than all of us, except maybe Tage, but we're talking about them coming like to the point where, okay, is this like the place where they start to slowly decline? And I know we'll touch a little bit more on that Tage in terms of the age and all that stuff a little bit later, but um, that's where I start to have reservations is if, you know, the first half of the year, Mixon was running a bunch of routes on third down and then they slowly started to kind of dwindle it down. I mean, is that kind of what they're foreseeing this year to look like a little bit more on third downs? I don't know. So I think it's a, it's a safe spot. It wouldn't surprise me if he's anywhere between like eight and 13. I know last year, I remember there was like in the middle of the year, I don't know if you guys remember, somebody asked us on Twitter, uh, Jonathan Taylor or Joe Mixon. And I think it was like week three. So it was very, very early. And I remember thinking specifically, Shashot and I were like Jonathan Taylor. And I think Shovit, you were like Joe Mixon. And, and like, I'm not saying that in a wrong way because at the end of the day, no matter who you had, Jonathan Taylor was first. And I think Mixon was third in total points. So it, you really couldn't have gone, gone wrong, no matter which way you went, but he completely outperformed. I think where a lot of people expected him to be last year. And I think because of that, naturally there's going to be maybe a regression, maybe not, but who knows? I think it's a safe spot for him. So that's why he comes in at number nine. Let's move right along. This one's an interesting one. Number eight, the consensus was DeAndre Swift. I didn't have DeAndre Swift in my top 10. Tage, the diehard Lions fan, did not have DeAndre Swift in his top 10. So uh, I, I think Chauvet, Chauvet, you had DeAndre Swift as number six. Shashot, you had him eight. So Chauvet, you had him the highest. Let's hear your DeAndre Swift spiel. Yeah, so, you know, the passing lane should open up for the Lions this year, all right? You got DJ Chark and you got Jamison Williams. Um, that's going to, you know, the same logic that you said with mixing with T. Higgins and Chase. I mean, that's the same thing with DeAndre Swift. This guy, <laughs> Jared Goff. <laughs> yeah, Jared Goff, he will dump off the ball. I mean, he will give it to DeAndre Swift. And I, the, the only concern here um, is if, um, if they're his backup Williams, if he's going to take some of the carries, um, you know, but he did lead the Lions last year in total touches with 213 and he had uh, 62 pass catches as well, even with Williams on the field. So I think that, you know, he's just, he's, he's in for resurgence. He's coming off an injury. I, I mean, I, I really like DeAndre Swift this year. Cool. I guess I'll go next. Uh, I love DeAndre Swift. He is like, he's like watching Alvin Kamara and who doesn't like watching Alvin Kamara, right? He's a great player, just put into a shitty situation, but the Lions team last year has improved and they improved last year as well. Uh, looking at the wide receiver core, I'm not even worried about Jameson Williams. Uh, we still got Amon Ray St. Brown there uh, helping out big time. He was arguably the best a wide receiver in football, the last month of football. Um, so, you know, helping, having him there, having Swift play all downs, you know, cause um, he was injured for a good part of it. But when he wasn't injured, um, he was in the top 10 in almost every category. And he was, he led all running backs and receptions, right? Like all running backs. We're not talking this or that. We're talking every single one of them when he's healthy. So the potential is what I'm really, really tied into here versus the potential of say like Leonard Fournette, which I kind of know what he's going to do. And even Joe Mixon, I kind of have an idea of what he's going to do. We don't know what Swift's capable of. We don't know that one move to get an 82 yard touchdown is very well in his grasp. And those are the players that I love as far as consistency, he will be there uh, as far as catching, he'll be there and they're going to run him. He's young. He's a young player on a young team. Uh, they're those kind of teams really like using their running backs. So, um, but the thing is Jared Goff, right? If it wasn't for Jared Goff, I would have had him in my top five. If it was a formidable quarterback, the potential is immense. It's, it's incredible. So like, these are the players that he may fall to the late, you know, mid second round in some leagues and he's going to end up being a league winner. So as long as he's healthy, I think the amount of catches and the amount of uh, big playability, he shoots it immediately up into the top 10 for me. 
Yeah, no, I, I definitely see like why you guys think that like these these new receiver additions could really open up for DeAndre Swift. But my thought process kind of went the other way when I was thinking about that. Um, you know, last year when the season started, Amon Ross St. Brown wasn't playing much for the Lions. Mm -hmm. The receiver room was pretty barren, so they had to rely a lot on Hawkinson and Swift. Uh, you know, now you get DJ Chark as your true X receiver. Amonra St. Brown is going to be one of the, you know, the top receivers in the league this year. Jameson Williams will join the team, you know, around week six or seven. So it's just, and they're, and they're going to pass a lot more this year just because Jared Goff will be more comfortable in year two of the offense and, you know, et cetera. So it's just, I, I just think, you know, coupled with all of those new receiving options, the Lions probably passing more and Jamal Williams being, you know, so prevalent in the Lions offense, especially in short yard situations and goal line situations is why I don't think DeAndre Swift will finish as a top 10 running back this year. I still think like as a player, he's, he's a really good player. And like you mentioned, like very explosive, but you know, it's just, it's just, there's, there's a lot of mouths to feed suddenly on the Lions offense. And like, I don't see him getting, you know, the volume of like the running backs we previously talked about. And then, you know, the running backs that, that we're going to talk about um, uh, the rest of this episode. Yeah, I think that's interesting, right? A lot of times we talk about the benefits of having a lot of mouths to feed, but when you have a quarterback who maybe cannot prepare the ample amount of uh, mm -hmm. dinner to support all of the people he's got to feed mouths for, it's going to make it a little bit harder, right? Because it's not like, it's not like, you know, Patrick Mahomes is getting six different weapons that he can just pick and choose. It's still Jared Goff. And um, that's where my fear lies, obviously. But I do agree with you. There were, there was a time where DeAndre Swift, when he was healthy, was incredible just because the rate of volumes of targets he would get and catches he would get, right? So even if he was only carrying the ball like 13 to 14 times, he was getting targeted so heavily. So like you said, Tage, is it just a product of the fact that early on in the season, they didn't have enough outside weapons to feed the ball to or feel comfortable with that they had to rely on their running backs? Um, or are they going to, you know, figure out a way to see that they have now both and elite in both, both sides mm -hmm. to maximize it both ways. But again, that's where the, 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 kind of the overarching theme is going to be how is Jared Goff going to play because he's going to be the guy that puts the ball in their hands. So um, it's still to hey, be determined. Um, Go ahead. Before you, before we move on to the next person. Yeah. Uh, Tage, I think this is a good statistic to find out because this, this is going to be used every year for the rest of your life when you play fantasy football. Um, knowing does like statistically over the last, let's say 10 years, uh, do, do running backs that get receptions, do they do better with better weapons at wide receiver or do they do worse? I think that would be a good thing to look up at some point because, you know, like, like this, like this moment right here, uh, half of us have them in our top 10, half of them don't. And I think that is the reason that's like the main reason, right? So if we can get like a, a quantifiable, you know, number or like a, some form of analysis on that, that would be wonderful. I think that's, that would help a lot of fantasy players out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that, that would be really interesting. I know like there's been research done before on like vacated targets and stuff like that, but you know, like, like, and how, how important that is for, you know, when like a, when a wide receiver one, like leaves a team, like in free agency or trade, like how many of those targets go to running backs? Like they get like a big upgrade, but I guess mm -hmm. I haven't seen anything going the other way. We're like, Oh, like if, if they get a wide receiver one, how does that affect the running back? You know? So that, that would be something cool to look into for sure. Yeah, no, I, th I think that would help 
like quantify this exact argument, like you said, to show. So, um, I mean, nowadays, I guess there's analytics for just about everything. So I'm sure that's something that somebody could figure out and put together, but nonetheless, again, I'm with you guys. I think Deandre Swift, healthy 16 games, uh, the production cannot not be there. Like, I just think the sheer amount of catching catches he can get, even with the weapons, as long as he plays the entire year and he's healthy, I think the production will be there, but whether it's going to crack the top 10, I guess that's the question. Uh, that we're going to have to find out. So uh, DeAndre Swift comes in at number eight. Shisho, you mentioned this guy. Number seven is his doppelganger, I guess, Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara comes in at number seven here on the consensus board. I had uh, Alvin Kamara as my number five ranked running back. Shisho, you had him seven. Shovit, you had him seven. And Tage, you had him eight. So I had him the highest. I'll start us off. I, I've had a weird roller coaster of emotions about the New Orleans Saints over this offseason. I started off being like, they suck, like, oh, they're on the Viking schedule in London, easy win, like that. Yeah, let's just chalk that up as a W. And then I started to think about it a little bit more, right? And I think a lot of that's just predicated on my perception of Jameis Winston as a quarterback, but not so much about everything else around Jameis Winston that now ironically enough, seems like it's coming together, coming together kind of well. His def- The defense was always really good. Um, they have Mark Ingram back now to be the backup to Alvin Kamara. So they're bringing, you know, they have that deal. And with drafting Olave, now I guess Michael Thomas is healthy and ready to go. They're going to get Michael Thomas as that number one receiver. Olave is going to be probably one of the best slot receivers in the NFL pretty soon. And then you have, uh, you know, the, the Harris's and the Smiths and the other guys to kind of take the top off. Kamara is still in a very, very advantageous situation because we looked at, there was a time where Kamara kind of fell off statistically and it was because somehow the Saints just stopped dumping the ball off. They had like uh, Ian Book start at quarterback. They had to start Simeon. They had to start freaking uh, my most hated, I'm drawing a blank on his, Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill, like my (laughs) most hated quarterback, or if you can even call him that, they had him starting. So I know like there wasn't fluidity in dumping the ball off to Kamara, but I think the Saints for years and years and years now understand that Kamara is not like a 25, 30 carry guy. And even when he was young, they weren't always using him that way. Right. So they know what his, what he excels at. And I think with the offensive line getting, a, you know, I know they lost uh, Teron Armstead, but I still think there's enough pieces now to where Kamara can still just maximize what he does well. And as long as he stays healthy, I think they rely on him enough that the, the, the production is going to be there, but uh, I don't know what you guys think. Show it. I'll, I'll kick this one off to you first. Yeah. I think that volume is the name of the game here. I mean, who, who's the backup for the saints? As, Ingram. As as <laughs> Mark, Mark Ingram. Yeah. But I feel, I still feel like it's going to be Alvin Kamara. He's going to be this, the, the guy who gets the ball, Jameis Winston. You can't really rely on him as a, a quarterback, you know, throughout the course of the 16, 17 game season. I think that utilizing their running backs is going to be very important for them to be able to get that offense to, to, to flow. And, and therefore, you know, volume is the name of the game and Alvin Kamara gets, gets the, the carries in and the dump offs as well. Um, yeah, so it's funny because uh, I know, Sweetcar, you said um, he's not that high volume guy anymore. Um, but he did log his first 200 plus carry season last year. That's, you know, for whatever reason, you know, many reasons, the quarterback struggles and whatnot. So he's still capable of handling that workload. Um, so that, that's, that's good to know, you know, cause a lot of these receivers on these top 10 may have reached their peak. Alvin Kamara, some may say have, has reached his peak, but I don't think so. I think, uh, he's still fully there. The injuries come, the injuries go, but you know, it's, it's a, it's football season. There's enough, uh, medical staff around to take care of these minor injuries here and there. So I think I, I wouldn't be afraid of Kamara from the workload standpoint and show that you mentioned Jameis Winston, not being, uh, you know, whatever type of quarterback you need. 
But however, when Jameis Winston was under center last year, Elvin Kamara was fifth in fantasy. He averaged 23.2 touches and 5.5 targets a game. Over that span, he was seventh in targets and uh, sixth in receiving yards. So having Jameis Winston increases his capacity from not only having that huge workload from the running standpoint, but from catching standpoint as well. So just knowing those two stats, I was like, this guy's got to be in my top 10. Yeah, no, I, I really like all your guys' points on, on Alvin Kamara. He's he's definitely one of my favorite players to watch in the league when he has the ball in his hands. Uh, my, you know, I think why I'm a little lower on him than everyone else is because I don't think it's being talked enough about how big of a loss Sean Payton is going to be to the uh, Saints offense. And that's especially in the screen game. Uh, you know, Sean Payton, I thought was best at drawing up screens. And when I think about Alvin Kamara and like at his peak, um, like you mentioned, like it was taking screens and, you know, having blockers in front of him and turning that into 20 mm-hmm. yard gains. I think about the Packers game on Sunday night football, where he took oh, yeah. in the, you know, the 60 yard left touchdown. side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On the left side with, with like the convoy in front of him. Right. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. you know, it's, 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 so I think, I think like losing Sean Payton to scheme him up the easy, like receptions that go for 10, 15 yards is going to be pretty big for like his, his value. But, you know, he still should be a top 10 running back because of like all the things you guys mentioned. You know, Mark Ingram isn't really a threat. Taysom Hill is probably going to be used less without Peyton there because like Hill has to get on him or or something, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, I I do see the volume and, you know, I do see the receiving ability. I just think it won't be as easy for Kamara as it was when he had like such a good play caller. Yeah, I think it's Shashot, the point you made is really, really interesting to me to kind of piggyback on my point is because when he saw the increase in carry workload versus catching workload, I think it was when Winston might have been hurt and they had to utilize him more in the running game because their quarterbacks were not sufficient enough to get him the ball the other ways, right? But when he was at his best was in the games that Winston played, which is when he was averaging the most fantasy points, catching the most passes. And so being utilized the best. So if Winston plays the whole year and starts the whole year and whether he's good or bad or average, whatever, I think the fact that Winston is literally a gunslinger, like that's what he's known to do. I think that right there is going to help the volume of Alvin Kamara and help him finish in the top 10. Yeah, that opens up surface area on the field, right? There's more places the defenses have to cover when Winston's there versus when he's not. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So he comes in at number seven, number six, show your boy Najee Harris comes in at the consensus number six. This was an interesting one. Um, I had Najee number seven. Shashot, you had him number six. Shovit, you had him number five. And Tage, my man, had Najee all the way up at number three on his rankings, Tage. Why the Najee love? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that uh, that everyone else is so much lower in, um, on him. But, you know, it's, it's it just goes back to what works in fantasy football. Volume is king. And, you know, Najee Harris had 313 rush attempts last year, the most of any running back in the NFL. Um, you know, and he doesn't have he doesn't have any competition, really. And he was drafted in the first round by the Steelers. Mike Tomlin really wanted him. So they're going to use him as as much as they can, you know, but like the thing the thing about Harris is, you know, like like Pittsburgh's offensive line is is poor. Um, so it's it's tough for him to to grind out yards. But, you know, with with either Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, uh, Pittsburgh is definitely not going to pass as much as they have been in recent years. 
Um, and then, you know, Big Ben refused to go under center and that, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot better to run under center in, in certain situations. So they'll be able to do that with whatever quarterback is starting with them, which should help Harris out there. And he's just going to get a ton of volume, whether it's rush attempts, whether it's check downs and all that stuff. And, and that's why I think like he's, he's up there with, with like the other top running backs um, just because the volume is just so big. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I wish, you know, I could put him higher, but uh, I, I'm feeling a little bit realistic just because I'm not sure how this offense is going to be um, next year, we, whether Kenny Pickett or Trubisky online. I've got him as five, which is pretty high just because I think, like you said, the volume is uh, going to be there. I mean, there's Benny Snell, who's their backup. And then there's, you know, so no, no one else that can take the ball. And, and if um, any of those quarterbacks are not able to get it done, then it's going to be uh, a Najee Harris show every day, kind of like I, I, I'm, I'm thinking like Adrian Peterson was back in Christian Ponder days. I mean, nope, there's, there's no other uh, offense there. But, um, but you know, if, if they can get their offense going, then I think that you know Najee Harris is is a concern. So just being that questionable aspect of their offense, I don't know where they'll they will be. I think that has me at fifth, um, but you know, certainly could finish top top five, top four. I like how you made that comparison. And I know that that comparison also meant that you're comparing Christian Ponder to Kenny Pickett. So I really hope, I really hope his career pans out the same way, man, because that's the only way we he's going to get that. <laughs> but no, dude, I, so I love Najee last year. I was so in love with Najee Harris, but the, the problem with why like Najee Harris with the volume page from last year, he should have finished as like RB one, right? Volume is the name of the game. Like that volume was insane. Like I, the, every other dump off, you know, like obviously every rush, but like he was getting the ball thrown to him every other time because big Ben, you know, can't move to save his life. So if his first read wasn't there, it was a dump off to Najee. Mm -hmm. And so for, for that reason, you know, I absolutely adored Najee, but again, what I'm seeing is the quarterback you know, give or take either stayed the same or got slightly worse. You know, big Ben obviously wasn't the same hall of famer, you know, that he's been mm -hmm. last year. So we know that's not true, but you know, we can still assume that maybe the quarterback got worse just from the fact that Kenny Pickett's coming into the NFL as a rookie. So he's got to learn a lot of things, get up to speed with the game. And then Trubisky hasn't really shown much, right? So he's still in uncertainty. So for that reason, the offensive line was so poor and I still don't think they're great. So let's just say the offensive line is, you know, the same as it was last year, your quarterback, your quarterback room got worse, if you will. Um, and so for that reason, I worry that, you know, if he's getting the, you know, highest level of usage last year, um, and he still wasn't the number one running back in a, in a, in a worse fan, in a worse offensive situation, I don't know that he's going to surpass what he did last year. And so that's just my reservation there. I know the volume's going to be there. So I'm never going to shy away from not drafting Najee Harris when he, you know, whoever he falls to is going to be happy to get him because he's consistent. And he's going to guarantee points, but the upside factor I worry about, you know, as being like a 30 carries 78 yards kind of guy. And, and, you know, yes, that's a volume, but you know, is that really pretty volume? I don't know. So uh, that that's why I had my reservations is I just didn't see the offense around Najee improving in the offseason enough was that was that the lowest on Harris at six no I uh I think I had him set no yeah I had him seven I had him seven okay well anyways I think the top six you know if you look at the statistics in the past 20 years or whatever one through six can be interchangeable happily and it would really not make that big of a difference mm -hmm. at the end of the season it this stuff happens all the time you you draft this guy he gets hurt this happens Najee Harris can easily break number one it's possible mm -hmm. right like if there's one person that can be the next Derrick Henry it is Najee Harris and that's we've seen it with our own eyes the similarity and all kinds of things um 
but that being said, right, volume, this is, this is something that I've always lived by. I think volume is king in that it'll take you to the playoffs, but you need players that just have that extra oomph factor and that's touchdowns, right? You get the volume, you add up the yards, whatever, but you got to get the touchdowns to surpass that 27 number. That's so beautiful. That 30 number. That's so beautiful. You can't do that without scoring touchdowns. And Najee Harris last year only saw 37 touches in the red zone and scored six red zone touchdowns. He was 22nd in the league with uh, that staff. That staff is now significantly worse as far as, you know, I I wish they kind of revamped the offensive line a little bit more, but having a young quarterback, the fear factor is just not there to worry about the passing game when it comes to uh, Trubisky or when it comes to Pickett, right? Like they're going to be stacking the boxes a little bit more in the goal line situation. So I assume those numbers are going to be lower. I don't know. That just seems like a safe bet to me. So having the volume is great. That puts them into the top 10. Uh, but just not having the touchdown uh, upside because there's a lot of teams with a solid offense that will increase the running backs chances of getting touchdowns versus putting them in this Pittsburgh offense where things are very mumbo jumbo. It could work out eventually, but I don't see it being a blast off situation in the first eight uh, weeks of the season. So for that reason, I think six was a safe number because every, every running back after this, I mentioned, they're going to have huge touchdown upsides. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I definitely see like the, the worries about his, his lack of ability to, to score touchdowns last year, but like, I've, I've always, you know, kind of had the train of thought that touchdowns are fluky um, compared right. to like carries yards, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like Damien Harris and James Conner both had 15 touchdowns each last year. And like, right. they, they won't have that again this year. So like, I could just see a world where Najee Harris is getting the 25 carries a game that, you know, you guys mentioned, and then he has some positive regression in the red zone and all of a sudden he scores like 12 13 exactly. touchdowns um you know you know it's some like one yard one yard touchdowns and stuff like that and like he's he's the rv1 or rv2 on the year because of that yeah again i think very strong points it's no one i i don't see anybody this fantasy year being disappointed that Najee harris is a person in the position when they're when it's their turn to draft i think i would be ecstatic to have him on my team as well um again you hope that that volume versus lack of touchdowns that we saw last year seeing how good he is and like you mentioned he was dra- he's a running back drafted in the first round which is hard for us to say nowadays and the way that running backs drafted in the first round are used versus running backs not drafted in the first round is immensely different right and so for that reason i think they expect and 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 again Mike Tomlin's history is that he uses one running back to the ground for the most part. Right. So mm-hmm. I think knowing that the volume and he's what he's, he was a rookie last year. So it's his second year. So he's still so young and fresh. It's like, it's like sexy in a way that they can just force feed him to the ground because he's so young and his legs just continue to turn. And um, that stupid four, six, whatever speed that everybody was knocking on him uh, during his pro day doesn't mean shit anymore. So uh, Najee Harris absolutely love comes in at number six. Uh, jumping into number five, here's the top five. Number five, we have our boy Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook comes in at number five. Um, ironically enough, I'm a little bit lower on Dalvin Cook that this year than most other people. I had Dalvin Cook at six. Shashot, you had him at five. Shovit, you had him at four. And Tage, I believe you had him also at six. Mm-hmm. So, um, Shashot, kick us off with Dalvin Cook. Okay. Um, I mean, it's Dalvin Cook, right? Like, Dalvin Cook is a beast. He could do everything. He can do everything. And now there's an open table in Minnesota where players can have a say in how this offense is run. And I think there's been some serious changes that have happened. And as soon as the uh, workouts started, as soon as the, uh, you know, the drills started this season, 
We saw Dalvin Cook lining up next to the wide receivers. We see him doing the same training as the receivers. That's scary. That's not just like interesting. That's scary because if you look up some Dalvin Cook highlights from college, there are a lot of highlights when he's lined up on the slot and he gets like a 20-yard in the air throw, not a screen pass. We're talking deep over throws shoulder, down the like, field, over shoulders. Like this man is fully capable of being a full-time uh, Debo Samuel, but a little bit differently, right? Like more agility, less power, um, and less durability. Without the durability, if he was fully durable, like if I had full faith in Dalvin Cook, this is a easy number one for me, right? In, in this offense, um, I'm a big uh, Vikings offense guy. I love where this everything is going and everything should be falling into place exactly how we wanted it to fall into place three years ago. So I think all that being said, having no limitations, I I know Madison is like a concern for some people, but forget about it. This is coming from one of the biggest Vikings fans that you will ever hear on this podcast or any podcast. Dalvin cook is the man. He's the man. The only thing that's holding him back is his own knees. It's like, it's his own body that's holding him back. And I think having the, the offense that we have now, it's more, we're, we're going to have more, um, what's the word? Um, like better plays, uh, just the, the consistency as far as the successes when he touches the ball are going to be way more consistent than when it was in the past where we were banking on 72 yard runs and a couple of runs. It was like a, it was a volume guy. He's no longer a volume guy. He has the open field of having to run around all over the field. That changes everything. I don't know if, if you guys really know many players that can do that because let's say like a player like Alvin Kamara, well, he doesn't run like go routes down the field, you know, very rarely do they ever do that, but we're going to be seeing that incorporated in a Dalvin Cook's repertoire, which is scary. It's, it's really scary. And he's really good at it. So all that being said, having the, the, you know, he's probably going to get little less volume than he has in the past, but that doesn't matter to me because the upstick of the passing game is immense. And I think Kirk Cousins has become better. The receivers have gotten better. The offensive staff is here to, you know, change things for the betterment of the players and utilizing the players' skills more. Um, the touches per game may be slightly decreased. I don't know. I can't say that for sure yet. Um, but all things considered, uh, this man is elite. Uh, this man can do everything any other receiver can do. The power factor, like the goal line carries, he's small, but he's still mighty. He's still He can still push it through the line. So I don't think they're going to be bringing in Madison for goal line carries or anything like that. Um, so, you know, all, all that being said, this is a very, very safe pick. The only thing that's unsafe about this pick is injuries. And I don't know if I can ever predict that. Yeah. I mean, it's the Minnesota Vikings and it's a running back. I mean, for me, it's like a no brainer. Like Dalvin Cook is a beast like that guy. He, I mean, you put him on the field, the Vikings are going to have game plan to give him the ball, to feed him the ball. And you guys already mentioned like in the off season, like he's catching passes now. I mean, like it's, it's Dalvin Cook, you know, how, how do you shy away from him? I, I would love to pick up that. If I could draft Dalvin Cook, I would. And then I, and if I'm concerned about, you know, his injuries, then I go get Madison, who is a serviceable backup. And there's my running back strategy for the rest of the year and i'm i'm a happy camper uh so for that you know i'm i I love dalvin cook uh as far as a runner and then getting his backup so that i can solidify my fantasy football year what do you got for a stage yeah you know like yeah no i i really like that strategy show with like yeah you i think if you draft cook you do have to get madison as a handcuff but the thing about Madison is he's one of those handcuffs where people will draft them like to be like their RB3 or like their flex position, even if they don't have Dalvin Cook, because he does get volume, right? So like in, in 2020, Dalvin Cook got 72% of the Vikings rushes. Madison got 22%, which is a good split if you are a Cook owner. But in 2021, 
Cook only got 59%, or er, and yeah, Cook got 59%, and then Madison got 33%. So, you know, because of injuries and because of kind of the way that the Vikings offense was last year, we saw Madison inch closer to Cook's volume. And so, like, that's that's where kind of the concern is for me, whether it's an injury or whether it's the way that, you know, the Vikings have the offense designed this year, where they're using a lot of 20 personnel or 21 personnel with both of those guys on the field at the same time. I just think that Madison is going to play a big role in getting a lot of rushes uh, out of the Vikings backfield. And that's my like only concern on why I can't put Cook ahead of some other running backs that I know are either going to stay healthier or don't have as big of a backup running back presence uh, to take carries away from them. And, and don't forget, um, we have KOC, Kevin O'Connell, as head coach, and they like to utilize, you know, many running backs in um, – he liked to do that when he was in the Rams. So there may, you're right. I, I think the volume – I think if we're predicting volume to increase, you're totally wrong. That's just not mm-hmm. going to happen. The volume is going to decrease. That's just going to happen. Uh, but the big play abilities are still there, and then the catching abilities is a whole new ballgame. Yeah, so – I'll, I'll, I'll end us home on Dalvin cook. I, I obviously as a Vikings fan, I love Dalvin cook. Um, I didn't make base these rankings off of injury. Cause then if that's the case, then CMC wouldn't make the list at all. So mm-hmm. that's not realistic. But for me, the fear is a lot of like what you guys mentioned, but I'm also looking at it, you know, the, the optimistic way you guys saw things I'm seeing it the other way, right? New regime, new offense, Kevin O'Connell, running more 11 man personnel, running more three wide receivers, right? Passing the ball down the field more, working, utilizing Justin Jefferson in the slot more like a Cooper cup. The the one thing that the Rams typically didn't have was much of a bell cow, like you mentioned as a running back, they use, you know, three different running backs. And because of Dalvin cook's injury proneness, I could see just because of that reason, Kevin O'Connell just being smarter because the less Dalvin cook stays on the field in those gadget type plays where he's lining up on the slot or doing all that, he's going to be way more fresh and they're going to be able to maximize his abilities when he's actually playing. And then you mentioned my biggest X factor is we have a guy that's running like a four, two, eight, 40 yard dash in Kenei Wangu that our last regime thought that the best way to utilize him was run him up the middle. Like you would a normal running back, which just absolutely is not his skill set, Right? So Knowing that we went from Mike Zimmer, went from an era where we just loved feeding Dalvin Cook the ball, you know, two to three, sometimes even on third down. So he's getting so many carries, knowing we're no longer in that. And this is a completely different offense. I think when he touches the ball, he can be a lot more effective, but the volume's going to go down and they're going to look to spread the ball out a little bit more. I have to believe that with KOC's brain, he's going to use Wangu better. I have to believe that Tage, that stat that his uh, Madison's carries are increasing. I have to believe that even if Madison's obviously not as good a running back, Kevin O'Connell is going to want to smartly use Dalvin Cook. So that could stay the same or Madison could see even an increase. Or like you said, they could both be on the field. So because of that reason, all of those things, I think, Again, I could Cook have like 15 touchdowns and that would be insane. Absolutely. But his volume, I think, like you said, she showed is absolutely going to go down. So in an offense that's completely different than Shobit, you said, you know, it's the Vikings. So why wouldn't you take their running back? Well, this is not the same Vikings anymore. So that's where my reservations are for us hammering home that a Vikings running back is automatically a top five fantasy pick. That may not be the case this year. And that, that's my only reservation. So yeah, Dalvin Cook, number five on the list. Number four comes in Derek Henry. Derek Henry is the consensus number four. I have him as my number three running back. Shashot, you had him as number four. Shovit, you had him as number eight. And I believe, I believe Tage had him at number five. So um, Shashot, or Shovit actually, number eight, Shovit, give us your Derek Henry spiel. 
Yeah, Derrick Henry, man. I a 28 year old. I get it. You know, workhorse, and uh, you know he's going to get the ball. But the the statistics that uh, the Titans had last year is that Derrick Henry, when he was on the field, the the yards that they had, that Derrick Henry had, was the same as their their backup, right? Like it was, I think it was like 800 yards for Derrick Henry, and then the backup had combined was also 800 something something along those lines so for me i just the injuries and being 28 i just think he is gonna lose a step um this year and that the uh titans are not going to be as as they said last year (laughs) you know i think now is the time i think regression is what it's what to do for derrick henry so i i'm nervous about drafting him and, and i would definitely shy away i would go for another uh option instead of derrick henry so he's he's eighth on on my uh, list. I'm, I'm at a loss of words. So somebody else talk. <laughs> I'm, I'm, um, I still really like Derrick Henry, you know, because he's Derrick Henry. Uh, but I'm, I'm kind of with you there, Shavit. Like, so, you know, uh, you know, something that I've, I researched while I was at uh, PFF was kind of when in, in their career running backs start to regress and like, especially like really good running backs. And so, you know, that's what I found was it's usually around 1500 or 1600 carries is where like running backs will, will start to regress. And like that, that like held true for the elite ones. Um, Jamal Charles started to flatten at 1400 carries. Adrian Peterson did at 1700 and then McCoy or uh, LaShawn McCoy and Marshawn Lynch showed it around 1500 and 1600. And so like, you know, it's, it's Derek Henry is, is at that stage. Um, you know, we, we saw him come back from injury in the playoff game against the Bengals and he didn't look, you know, like his usual self there. And I think, you know, it could, it could start to, to happen here where, um, you know, he's, he's going to start to get banged up a little bit more. He's going to start to lose a little bit of his burst and his explosiveness as he gets later into his career. And just because he's had so much mileage, put on him he might not be you know the typical like like Derrick Henry like stiff arm um you know breaking off crazy runs that we're used to and he'll just be a good running back not like the best running back in the NFL oh that's so sad that's such a sad story um yeah I mean yes this this is this is where the um this is where the numbers don't really matter to me as much. We did a we did a quarterback uh, episode last week, mm-hmm. and there are some players. If they're gonna lose you to the league, so be it. If you if you're gonna draft Patrick Mahomes and he just sucks, then I don't care if I lost that league. I I did my due diligence and I drafted a stud. That's the same thing with Derrick Henry. I I don't again a Tager statistics guy. I can't be using one sample size of the Bengals game to. Uh, yeah to take away uh, what Derrick Henry really means to that team. And now they don't have the studs that they had before, right? Like the Titans suck. If you really think about it, uh, it's kind of like a Steeler situation there now. And, um, and he's not Najee Harris. Right. And that's why I don't have him ranked number one. And when I say he's not Najee Harris, I mean, health wise, he's, he's not young and he's not as young as him and he's not as sturdy as him anymore. So, but that was only enough for me to move him down to four in my rankings, right? Like I've never ranked Derrick Henry this low ever in my life. So everything you guys have mentioned, I think, I, I believe I, I'm, I'm with you, uh, but only with you up until about two or three spots, not all the way down or, you know, uh, taking him out of the top five or anything. I think he's one of those players, you just kind of pull the trigger and you're like, if I have Derrick Henry on my team, um, 
I should be doing well with this pick. You know, I you shouldn't be worrying about the injury so much just because of like, I, I can't stress this enough, but like the medical staff in the NFL, like it's just a bunch of Harvard guys and Yale guys. Like they have the top of the line stuff to take care of players nowadays. And um, players like Derrick Henry get special attention, right? He's probably drinking like, I don't know, some fetuses blood all off season long. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> But, like, they're doing whatever they can to keep him healthy. And, yeah, he could, you know, sprain his ankle, do this and that. But that's not what fantasy football you should be worried about, especially with uh, a career like Derrick Henry's had. Um, I don't see I don't see the stiff arms going away. I don't. I, I think the speed might be decreasing. Uh, but he is that player that gets faster as the day goes on. When it's fourth quarter, he's suddenly mm-hmm. faster than everybody else. So these are players that are outliers for me. They're clear outliers. But these are the outliers that I want to ride on his back and run into the end zone. I've never drafted Derrick Henry ever in my league, but every year I regret doing that. And I think now that now that the values there, a lot of players like you know like Shovitage. You guys are talking about how there may be a slight regression. I would be the one to jump on this. If I'm the fourth overall pick or the fifth overall pick, I'm not letting Derrick Henry go by. Yeah, I, I think I think a lot of good points there. My my thing with Derrick Henry and Shishout, you should touch on this as our you know in-house doctor, is this whole Jones fracture that he had. Um, what's the severity of it? Is is that specific injury something that lingers? Because we're, we're all of a sudden pegging injury-prone Derrick Henry just because of that, when in reality he's like about as yeah. durable as it gets, right? Okay, yeah, so Jones fracture is not – it's it's you break a bone, right? You break a bone, you, the, your fifth metatarsal and your foot – uh, if you break the other metatarsals, that's the list Frank fracture, which you guys have all heard of. But the Jones fracture is a it's a fracture of your fifth metatarsal and you're not you're not tearing any tendons. There's no rupture of any membranes. It's just a simple break. Right. So when you heal that break, sometimes that break heals stronger than it was before. So um, you can't you know, if it was a if, he, if they fractured his ankle, that's a whole different ball game, Right. Like there's. There's uh, attachments to other bones considered this and that. There's no worries of attachments to other bones. It's just that one simple bone in the foot, and there's no uh, joints in play here. I'm sure it healed back properly, and uh, he's got this whole offseason to heal. So I, I wouldn't be worried about it. That's a good point. It's not a joint issue. Joint issues are you know, career enders, season enders, uh, whatnot, but a fracture of the bone ends the season, but you come back just as good or maybe slightly worse or maybe a lot better. So uh, it's not something you should just focus on primarily. Okay. Yeah. And so, so for that reason, knowing that it's not like an Achilles or something that, you know, we've seen historically as a tremendous amount of regression for uh, athletes. Um, I, again, I'm with you, uh, Shashot. He's somebody that I would gladly draft. And if for some reason he sucks or this is the year he regresses, then, you know, so be it, you learn your lesson, but what has history taught us with Derrick Henry? Like you said, you know, there's nothing that keeps this guy down. He's only, he gets better. The more he plays, the longer he plays, he's better. So like, yeah, is that going to correlate to year after year versus first quarter to fourth quarter? Who knows? But until he proves that he's actually hit a wall and regressing and he's historically becoming injury prone, it's not just one random injury. It's hard for me to start deeming him all of those things and not a top, you know, arguably a top five, top three running back in fantasy football. So uh, I absolutely agree. That's why I had Derek Henry. One more. Uh, Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Where did you, where did you have him? I had him number three, but he came in number four okay. on our consensus. Um, real quickly, he averaged close to 30 um, touches a game last year at this age, right? Like, um, And the next closest person was seven touches less than him. So even if he gets, you know, let's say he's old, uh, even if he loses five touches, on average, he's still going to be touching the ball more than anybody else using that small sample size. Um, yeah. You know, his regression is still not people's peak. So for that reason, I'm not going to rank him one, but I'm still going to keep him in this top echelon of the players you draft that running back. 
He's just, he makes me nervous because he reminds me of Saquon Barkley last year when, you know, Saquon Barkley went like maybe second round. And that's someone that you're like, it's Saquon Barkley. You got to draft him. He's 24, yeah. don't, but he's coming don't out forget. of an MCL uh, tear. And as ankle. To, yeah. Yeah. Saquon's got a whole spiel of joint problems. So this is a different scenario, but you're right. You're not the only one that, that's, that fears this person, um, whether it's not wanting to draft him or just looking at his face, he should be feared all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that's a good one. Derrick Henry comes in at number four. Real quick, I got a breaking news, kind of kind of met, sad and morbid. Former Cowboys running back Marion Barber dies at the age of 38. Whoa. Oh. Very, very Dang. sad. I, he'll always be remembered for his hardest earned two yards in the in his own end zone. That was one of the craziest runs mm-hmm. I've ever seen in my mm-hmm. entire life. So uh, super, super sad. Wow. Um, yeah. So no, number three, number three, let's jump right back into it. Number three on the consensus board is Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler was my RB four. Shashot, you had him as your RB one. Shovet, you had Austin Eckler as your RB three. And I believe, Tage, you had him as your RB two. So Shashot, RB one, Austin Eckler. I mean, he's not used as a true three down workhorse, but I, I'm just so big on the Chargers this year. Um, that coach, you know, as Staley for as many um, things he gets shat on. And I was one of them that was shitting on him hardcore. But I have transitioned tremendously as far as analytics goes. I am actually on board with going for two every single time now. I don't want to kick any more extra points. Uh, and I learned this because of Madden. I, I played a lot of Madden over the last couple of months. Uh, and I'm just like, why the hell am I kicking field goals? Like, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. At the end of the day, when you have 10 touchdowns, uh, it's, there's, a, there's a better chance of getting those two out of the four two-point conversions and kicking all four uh, mm-hmm. extra points and just getting four points out of them. Uh, but anyways, I digress. Uh, let's get back to Austin Eckler. I think this is, you know, um, everything the muscle hamster couldn't be as far as reaching his potential. Um, this is everything, um, you know, MJD couldn't be because his career ended a little bit early. We have a short, stocky, super fast, super agile, pass catching between the tackles running in a great offense that utilizes all of these things. And that offense just became a top 10, arguably a top five offense this year. Why would you not want that running back? Right? Like that seems so for sure. The only thing the the knock on uh, Eckler is touches and it's um, you know, he was 14th in touches per game uh, at 17.2. But if you really think about it, just imagine watching football and Austin Eckler getting 17 touches and you know, six of those are catches screen passes he usually succeeds on every single screen pass um it's just that like the efficiency rate is just tremendous like he touches the ball and he makes things happen that's just the bottom line and herbert becoming better at play action herbert becoming better as a quarterback overall and becoming a dual threat all of these things just enhances austin eckler so much and you're probably wondering why not Jonathan Taylor at number one? Why not, you know, McCaffrey at number one? McCaffrey, I don't want to talk about. There's many reasons. Uh, Jonathan Taylor and Austin Eckler were the two pl- uh, players I decided between. I was like, man, what do I do here? Um, and it came, uh, came down to Austin Eckler, not just because of all the skill sets uh, I talked to you about, um, but because of this offensive change that the Chargers are going through, and it's going to be scary. Remember this, the Chargers are going to be scary. And I think having the number one running back for that offense, uh, you know, with a high share of um, target, not only targets, uh, uh, sorry, not only rushes, but targets as well, he could very well end up being number two in that team in receiving, maybe number one. I don't know. And these are all numbers that 
I like when I look for a running back. There's nothing I don't like about Austin Eckler, whereas some of these other players, I might like everything about them, but I don't like the situation they're in, you know? Um, but I like everything about Austin Eckler. The target share is amazing. The red zone opportunities are insane. Everything just leads to success. And I think when you compare the top three, it's very interchangeable. And I want to believe that because of the scenario that everybody's been put through, them having to play against four other teams or three other teams that are going to put up a big fight, going to need big production from Austin Eckler all day long, I think he's going to uh, produce. So I think it's a very, very easy choice for me. It's Austin Eckler at 1.01. That's fair. I'll, I'll go. So Austin Eckler, um, I had I had Austin Eckler as number four. Uh, so again, when you're talking top five running backs, it's really just, you know, on a week-to-week basis, maybe like a point, less than a point difference. So it's not crazy. Um, Austin Eckler, like you said, it's beautiful watching Austin Eckler from a fantasy perspective because he just produces and all he does is produce. And it's crazy because like you said, he's not getting typical number one workhorse carries at all. And so, um, you know, his, him having touchdown production is huge. I know last year he had 12 rushing touchdowns and he had eight through the air, 94 targets through the air for a running back, 70 receptions. You know what I mean? Like that, those are numbers that, you know, even if he has a fraction of those rushing yards, he's still going to be a top 10 running backs just from, just from catching the ball and scoring touchdowns through the air alone. So I, I do absolutely love Austin Eckler. The reason I'm a little bit lower on Austin Eckler this year, and, you know, he's fourth versus, you know, one, two, or three, I guess, for me, is because uh, they drafted Isaiah Spiller, right? And Isaiah Spiller is basically going to be, I guess, maybe they're Justin Jackson since Justin Jackson's gone as a free agent. Joshua Kelly drops down to third on the depth chart. So you're looking at Isaiah Spiller as a running back coming out of uh, Texas A&M, and he's kind of like the stocky bruiser, kind of, you know, 15 pounds heavier, three, three inches taller. So my fear is for a guy like Austin Eckler, who despite his size was still getting touchdowns and touches in the red zone at at some point, are they going to look to be like to, in order to maximize Austin Eckler, because he is so great at catching the ball just on those really, really tough, like goal line situations where he's going to get hit by like five, six guys in a pile. I feel like they tried to use Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson at points to see if they could find somebody to be their red zone guy. And nobody was able to be as productive and as elusive as Austin Eckler. So they just went back to him. But I think the reason to draft Isaiah Spiller in the fourth round is to hope that he could possibly become something like that. So just from maybe the touchdowns from 20 last year, which is an astronomically high number to go down slightly, that's why I have him fourth. But in terms of production and being happy if I got him, I mean, he's a stud. So there's really no reason to not. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, Shoshone, I, I agree with like everything you said there. Like that was that was the perfect way to describe Austin Eckler. Um, I, I, I think it goes back to if you like McCaffrey this year, you should love Austin Eckler. He's just a better version of McCaffrey. Uh, Eckler is going to be a part of Did a much better offense. That? <laughs> better version of McCaffrey? Yeah, I, I, I think so, because, you know, I, I don't I, like I, I, you know, I don't want to jump ahead to when we talk about McCaffrey, but like. You know, I don't I don't see the Panthers offense just having these these scoring situations um, as, as much right. as the Chargers do. The Chargers could have the best offense in the NFL. And Eckler is going to be a big part of that. Um, you know, he can get he can get 60, 70 receptions and, you know, also a lot of carries out of the backfield, too. And he's just so explosive. And, you know, he's he's, he's just really going to provide that that Chargers offense with with the boost that they need um, in, the, in the short yardage area. And everything like that. So that's why I think, you know, Austin Eckler should be being drafted uh, within the top three in, in fantasy drafts this year. 
Now, Austin Eckler is in a complete offensive team. You know, they're definitely utilizing him to get there, to get Justin Herbert going. Uh, you know, the running back, it's uh, complementing the rushing attack, complementing the, the passing attack. So he'll definitely be used. He'll get the, he'll get the catches. But outside of all of that, I mean, the, the, the most important thing is this guy plays fantasy football and he is very aware <laughs> of being in a fantasy football league. And you got to just love that from a player when you're like, I got to get my owner's points and he'll do that for you. And I think that, you know, having Austin Eckler, you know, his abilities, you know, all of that, but that's just a cherry on the top for me. Um, but he's, he's third for me because I think about, you know, when I did the gonna, list, I'm just going to start celebrating the touchdowns right now. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, he's he's third for me because uh, if I was number one or number two, I'd rank the guys that are ahead of him. Um, I would draft him before Austin Eckler, but I mean, if you're if you get third pick, this he's the guy I'm going with, um, and uh, I would be very happy drafting him as well. I think that's a really great point that does not get said enough. A lot of players are annoyed when you bring up fantasy, right? Like you tweet at a guy and be like, "You didn't get me points." Like, fuck your fantasy, bro. I don't care. I'm playing in real life. And so a lot of people don't give a shit about that. But the fact that Austin Eckler is so adamant about him yeah. playing fantasy football and all that, dude, you know, he's checking, right? That means he's at least on the app looking. He knows his points. Like he knows where he's ranked. That stuff might matter. That stuff might be the difference between, you know, an extra third down where he needs to fall over and run the clock. And he's like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to take it in for a touchdown. Hell yeah. Fantasy owner. So who knows? Austin Eckler comes in at number three. Number two is going to be the highly debated Christian McCaffrey, giving a lot of people, fantasy owners specifically, PTSD, myself included. Christian McCaffrey comes in as the consensus number two. Scary guy to just, I just, I was in like butterflies in my stomach, not when I was trying to rank this guy and even think about what to talk about. Because, I mean, let's be real. We know what CMC is. He's an incredibly talented, like top of the line fantasy producer, because when he's on the field, like there, there isn't a huge advantage to Christian McCaffrey versus a lot of like, even like the number three, four or five guys, right? He just puts himself in an echelon that is really, really hard to ascertain at times. But the problem is he literally is never healthy and he's not healthy and you can't not draft him because you can't draft based on health. But you know, you, you also like, I don't know if you pass on him and somebody else gets him and he's healthy. You're going to never forgive yourself. If you draft him and then he gets hurt week three is out for the year. You're like, why did I do that? I knew that was going to happen. The trend tells me he gets hurt. So it's a lose, lose situation with CMC. My thought process is, man, I hope I don't have the number two pick because if I do, it's going to be really, really difficult for me if somebody takes Jonathan Taylor. So again, he's number two. I don't think we need to spend, I don't need to spend a lot of time on knowing what's good about CMC. We all know that, but the fear factor for me and reservations I have with the difference between him and number one is just the fact that, you know, we don't know how many games he's actually going to play. Yeah. I've got him as number one because I mean, barring no injuries, this guy is a work horse. He's going to be the number one uh, target. Uh, what do you, he's going to get the number one target share for that team. Um, and so for me, it's, you get CMC and I think that this would be my draft strategy, but then, and you, you maybe pick up guys like, I don't know, Brees Hall, someone, someone that can get you, you know, someone that can, that has the upside this year that maybe people don't really think about. So you really, if you're going to pick CMC as number one uh, this year, then you really need to have a solid, you know, six round running back strategy that you can get that you can that you can say okay maybe this guy could probably give me you know give me what i lose from cmc maybe maybe elijah mitchell this year i you know um someone someone that has the upside but maybe you're not certain about so i still go with cmc because i know that if he's healthy he can get me the points that i need um but i I can't shy away from not getting cmc number one but when jonathan taylor is available and you don't have to worry about injuries you still go with CMC? 
Um, yes, I do. Because, right. yeah, I mean, okay. the cold Old strategy, and- Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for you. Yeah, because, I mean, CMC was just 100% part of the game. And Jonathan Taylor runs the ball a lot. I mean, he, he's a runner, right? He's like 99% part of the game. Yeah. I mean, he runs, <laughs> and, and he's going he's gonna to get the uh, carries. But is he, is he that involved in no. the passing game? And You're right. Not so much. So I You're think right. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, I, I guess I'll go next. Uh, I have him ranked third. Uh, I, you know, honestly, I, I feel like I should have ranked him fourth, should have moved Derrick Henry to three. Um, it's there's certain, there's certain players you just – you know, you don't worry about health like Dalvin Cook, right? Like his injuries are minor. He misses two games, comes back, loses two more games the next year. You're like, fuck, Derek. I mean, come on, Dalvin. Like, I know what you can do. Like, stay on the field. But you still draft him the next year, not worried about injuries. And there's players like Derek Henry who's, you know, you still draft him, not worried about injuries because of the type of injury. Christian McCaffrey has a serious hamstring injury. It's so serious that they're not even letting him do anything in practice right now. They're basically putting him in bubble wrap to make sure he's ready to go for week one. That is not the attitude I want to go into my fantasy season with my number one pick. Like the chance of losing him is maybe higher than the chance of not losing him in the season. Like, you know, the last two seasons, he's broke Sweetheart's heart. He broke my heart. It's just every year, it's just a lot of heartbreaks happening. At what point, at what point do you just not go with the trend? You know, at what point are you at fault for choosing him because you know what he will do eventually throughout the season. Again, you can't predict injuries, but I will bet you if you did some sort of psychoanalysis on Christian McCaffrey, that the mm-hmm. fears of running the same routes that he did before, the fears of making those same cuts, they're very well there. They're deeply ingrained in his head. Um, he was even hesitant about coming back last year. He was like not feeling himself. So I think the fear factor just within himself, his own abilities, he's probably going to tone it down a little bit, right? What made CMC CMC I don't think we will see that same thing because they're going to bubble wrap the shit out of him unless they really need to. Um, but again, when he's on the field, four games that he was on the field last year, he averaged 26 <laughs> fantasy points. So it's four like, games. you know, so, so that's the part where Shovitz, uh analysis makes complete sense because if he plays, he's going to be number one. He, he is easily the greatest fantasy football player I have ever seen in my time of playing fantasy football. Uh, you, you haven't seen a better fantasy football player. So just using that um, logic, I can see why some people will choose him at number one, but just seeing the heartbreaks and being a big part of that heartbreak and knowing that there's Ecklers and Jonathan Taylors who don't really do that type of heart. Eckler does break your heart sometimes, but he just, that offense is just so much fun to watch. But Jonathan Taylor, like for me, if I had to choose one or the other, I, I'm going Taylor over McCaffrey just because the security, security is a big part of it. It's not, you know, you don't play fantasy football for four weeks. You play fantasy football for 18 weeks or more in some leagues. And I think just the longevity factor and the fact that the Panthers have been so criticized for using him too much, I think the Panthers are going to tone it down. Christian McCaffrey is going to tone it down and it's not going to lead to 26 fantasy points. It may lead to 21 fantasy points a week. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely see where, where both of you guys are at. You know, my thing with McCaffrey and taking him number one overall is, you know, if, or like when he does get injured, um, he, McCaffrey doesn't have like a handcuff that will put up a lot of fantasy points for you to replace him. Like, you know, Madison is with cuck and, um, and you know, like other, other, other uh, teams have. So like, that's my thing with McCaffrey is like, all right. Like if I, if I take McCaffrey and like, he goes out, then I'm like completely out 
on like all those things and like I have to reach deep into my bench to find someone to become you know my my second RB or whatever but yeah like you mentioned like if if he plays like he's he's you know he's not even really a running back he's like a half running back half receiver and so he's gonna get 70 to 90 receptions if he plays the full season which is like good for like an actual receiver like a full <laughs> yeah. receiver um, and then, yeah, he's, he, you know, he's a, he's a great rusher. Like uh, my, my rushing yards over expected metric, which adjusts for situation and, and uh, d- defenders in the box and how well the offensive line blocks and everything uh, 0.5 rushing yards over expected last season. And then 0.67, um, you know, the season before that. So, like, you know, he's, he's, he's doing really well uh, rushing the ball. Great receiver. If he plays the full season, he's easily the RB one, I think, but you know, it's, it's just the lack of the handcuff and the injury history that put me or had him put as, as RB four for me. Yeah, I agree. Like, it, it, you know, Chuba could be like an RB three, maybe for you as a flex spot, if McCaffrey goes down, but their skill sets are so different. And that's why mm-hmm. that's what makes CMC so unique is that he does, he won't get a true handcuff. It's like almost like when Cam Newton is hurt or, you know, and then comes in like somebody who's a pocket passer. Well, the mm-hmm. offense is entirely mm-hmm. different all of a sudden. So like for that reason, yeah, you're exactly right. Chuba does not create the same upside being in the same offense that McCaffrey has. So that's what makes him such a unicorn. And, uh, you know, I'm praying for the person that somehow gets stuck with CMC this year, that he stays healthy up until maybe he plays me. Uh, but if that's the case, you know, I think the CMC people drafting CMC will be people that have never drafted him and experienced him getting hurt before. And the people that pass on CMC, even when maybe they shouldn't, are the people that have PTSD that from CMC getting absolutely hurt. I think, I think, right. I think CMC will be the most emotionally like drafted or you know not drafted player this yeah. year. So, um, yeah, and, and you that, can't really go, you can't go wrong with both no. ways, right? Like because the potential is so high, you want to experience the greatest fantasy player of all time. So people that don't never drafted him want him, and the people that got hurt there are Jonathan Taylors and Ecklers around. So you're like, wait, do I need to go through that pain again and not make the playoffs? Or should I just latch on to Jonathan Taylor, which sounds like a great idea, right? So it's like, you can't go wrong. Just either you go safe or you go with sexiness. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Jonathan Taylor would argue otherwise as he makes the top of our list. He was in fact the sexiest running back last year and he is coming back to maybe be the sexiest this year. Number one on our consensus board, um, I had him number one. Shoshot, you had him number two. Shovit, you had him number two. Tage, you had him number one. So again, this guy was, you know, consensusly pretty high for all of us. And I think Shoshot, you summed it up for me perfectly in that you're getting to choose uh, if you're, you know, drafting between CMC and uh, Jonathan Taylor there at the number one pick, right? Super, super young, never been hurt in an offense that again, seems like it's completely designed around him. There's not anybody getting more, many rushing attempts there. Uh, you know, Hines gets some of their catches, but even Taylor is a serviceable pass catcher. So maybe they start expanding that game a little bit more because he's still so young and he hasn't, he's the guy that had a historic season last year that has still yet to tap his potential. Uh, so for me, it's a no brainer when you're going with those two, because yes, the upside for CMC is really, really high. Maybe Taylor's is slightly lower but the longevity factor and the fact that he's so young and the fact that if he has a fluke injury and he misses the whole year, you're not going to kick yourself because there was no way for you to know or think that that was even a possibility. So for that reason, Jonathan Taylor to me is the consensus. Number one, there's no sharing of rushing carries at all. Again, Hines is not carrying the ball. Marlon Max gone. So, uh, they, again, got, um, they did get Philip Lindsay and they just oh, got one more person. I forget the name, God, but Philip again, Lindsay. There's a reason Philip Lindsay has been bouncing around to like four teams in the past three years. Right. So hopefully he's not really, you know, coming to take anybody's job or carry many balls. 
Um, yeah, so so my thing about Jonathan Taylor and why I'm so high on him and why I'm so excited to watch him again this year and 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 like you know as I think he'll become the RB one is because the Colts do a good job of putting. Jonathan Taylor in advantageous situations to run the ball because of, you know, when they use him, uh, you know, against like lighter boxes, you know, sometimes they're, they're in shotgun with like different types of RPOs and the way right kind of schemes up that offense coupled with how well their offensive line blocks Jonathan Taylor last year, if an average running back was in Jonathan Taylor's situation, my metrics show that they would have gotten about 4.7 yards per carry, which would have been uh, 13th best in the Dang. NFL just because of, you know, how well that situation was. He got 5.6 yards per carry, Jeez. which is absolutely insane. Uh, so, so, you know, he was getting basically a yard more overexpected than than average running back. So even if he regresses this year and becomes just, you know, an above average running back, but not like the elite season that he had last year, he's still going to be getting five yards of carry with a lot of volume. And, you know, you know, the, the touchdowns, opportunities are going to be there for him um you know it's just it's just a really good situation for running back to be in and he's just a great running back so that's why I think you know he has he has a very high floor and he has that ceiling that he showed last year where he can he can be the RB1 you know despite not having the receiving ability that that other uh running backs that we've talked about have sure um so yeah I, I have him as number two and it's not a knock on him it's just that i just think that cmc can deliver you um results barring no injuries i'm really hoping that he doesn't get injured and and crossing my fingers and all that but you know we'll see throughout the course of the year what, what ends up happening and i'm willing to roll the dice on that but yeah jonathan taylor i mean he, he's he finished number one last year uh, a beast of a running back uh the thing is that you know at, at times they did kind of shy away from him at during games we're like where did Jonathan Taylor go but then he has like these like you know breakaways and and, and uh, 80 yard runs or whatever that like makes up for all of that um uh, but yeah I mean definitely think this guy can finish one this year um personally just have him two because I think I have more hope on CMC yeah um dude I've had Jonathan Taylor for the past two years and he's been nothing short of amazing and it's just getting better you guys think last year was the best he's ever done? Well, let me tell you why that's going to be even better this year. And that's because now he has the only quarterback in the NFL that throws more than 8.6 targets per game to their running backs. We have the most running back friendly quarterback playing for the Colts. Now that, that takes away the fear that he's not a good pass catching or he doesn't get the volume, right? Cause Matt Ryan loves throwing to his running backs. That's one thing about Matt Ryan. That's just a fact. Um, he led the league last year in red zone touches with 92, 90 freaking two. You know how many touchdowns that could be if a play went one way or the other? That's unreal. I don't think that's going to change. I think they're going to stick with this strong offensive line they have and pound the ball. One of the few teams that are not willing to transition to like peer passing team. Uh, they get an old Matt Ryan. I'm sure he doesn't want to like rip off his arm throwing, you know, 50 times a game. So there's gonna be a lot of Jonathan Taylor running the ball and there's gonna be a lot of Jonathan Taylor catching the ball. So, you know, Again, uh, the only difference reason why uh, only reason why I have Eckler over Taylor while I'm hyping up Taylor like I'm his dad um, <laughs> is that the offense, the offense for the Chargers are going to be next level. It's just going to be something where you're going to be or jaws are going to be dropping left and right. Um, so that factor is the only reason I have Jonathan Taylor at two. But there is nothing to not like about this guy. The only thing that was worrisome versus the, in the CMC conversation was the lack of touches in the passing game. But now he has the quarterback that throws the most passes to his wide uh, running backs and that'll immediately change everything. 
Yeah, I think I think you're spot on. I, again, I, it, when you're having the coin toss between two guys who are going to have similar production and one guy who can't stay on the field versus one guy who is, again, just sniffing his potential, I think it's a no-brainer to me personally. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see how this season shakes up. Those are the top 10 consensus running backs that we have on our list for fantasy football for 2022. Um, that's all I got. That's all I got, man. I know this was a very, very long episode. Thank you so much for sticking through it with us. All of your insight on the analytics, incredibly useful, insightful. Uh, we're more than happy to have you back on at any point. If you ever just want to shoot the shit and talk football, because that is absolutely all we do. Uh, you guys have any final words for Tage? Dude, this has been oh, fun, man. man. Thank you. Yeah. yeah thank you so lot. much for your time. Yeah, no, thanks so much for having me on guys. Like, you know, I, I really enjoyed coming on here. You guys are doing like like really good stuff. Um, definitely going to to listen to uh, some of the previous episodes because like you guys were were great to talk to. Um, and it was it was a really enjoyable experience. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, Tage. Again, thank you so much, man. You are more than welcome to hop on at any point in the future. Uh, This is going to wrap up the episode of the top 10 running backs in fantasy football in 2022. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We're the only playbook. Peace out guys.